So, do you like podcasts? Do you like movie podcasts? Yes! 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 If so, check out All Things Film, a collection of the best film, TV and movie podcasts on the internet. Groovy. Film Rave, it was only a pound. The podcast on Fire Network, Daily Grindhouse, Mass, Movie Side, UK, and of course, Film Sploitation. Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. What? Anyway, all the best podcasts, film and TV related, under one roof. That's all things film. Boys and girls, go back to your studies. Believe me, nothing in life is free. Well, oak and dread, Batman. All Things Film is 100% free. And you can find out more on iTunes. Search All Things Film or online. Allthingsfilm.thefilmpodcast.co.uk Oh, sorry. I think I must have pressed the wrong button. Is anyone left? Toto? I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. This Week in Sleaze, with your host, the Great Lord, Joshua Regal, and Sleazy K. This podcast has been rated Category 3. No one under 18 may be permitted. You and I will be as free as the birds up in the trees. Oh, please stay by me, Diana. Did you know, Joshua? (laughs) (laughs) Did you know, Joshua, that Paul Anka's Diana was a number one hit in the US, Canada, Australia, UK, and that Paul Anka has sung it with Ricky Martin? He sung it in Italian. The Misfits have covered it. And it was inspired by a girl at the church he hardly knew. Welcome to the Paul Anka Hour and the, on the podcast on Fire Network. I'm Anka Ken, and with me is Anka Joshua. Hello. <laughs> the new show the about, new sh- Paul, about Paul Anka's Diana. <laughs> I'm such a fan now. Yeah, indeed. Do I? And uh, Hong Kong cinema made us fans of Paul yes. Anka. So uh, let's uh, talk uh, why. Let's talk some fucking Michael Wong. <laughs> Where do you go after a rough episode, historical contents-wise? Because we talked Men Behind the Sun last episode. Where do you go to get comfortable and happy again? Well, some look at the puppies doing cute things on the internet, and that's good. Mm-hmm. We watch and talk Michael Wong movies. And uh, there are a few that uh, are, are rated Category 3. Uh, the, the Wongster. Michael, Wongster, grazing it was Wongster. The Wongster. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the he went with a worky, so he was in a few category three movies, and it's all very simple. This episode, uh, we will talk the following: Mad Stylist from 1997 and Fatal Love from 1993. And I am not Anka Ken, but Lisa K. And with me is the great Lord Joshua Regal, here for a cleansing of the last episodes. Hell yeah. And- a good episode, but um, a cleansing nonetheless that we um, that we kind of need, you know, a rebound with some uh, fuck Michael Wong, you know, a love fest, you yeah. know, a, a real genuine love fest. Uh, the Paul Anka tangent will make sense uh, 
later as we talk of mad stylist uh, but uh, it'll uh, it'll be within that review and uh, by the way um just a brief shout out uh, hi stokely and this will make sense to her she wanted a shout out um i would rather do it now than bury it deep in the show so uh Sweet dreams, sleep tight, and you'll probably like the stylish, stylist creativity on display here. Uh, I should show her that uh, this flick sometime. And maybe I'll make another Michael Wong fan, like create another Michael Wong fan in the, in, uh, the process. But um, yeah, that's it. So uh, that was the shout out. Uh, contact information before we rush into this. This is not a two, two and a half hour epic or anything. This is uh, the Tidy Whitey Theater, after all, that we uh, do these things. That sounds so proper. Welcome to the Tidy Whitey Theater. There's your seat. There's the cum stain. And, <laughs> and the smell is everywhere. So welcome in. <laughs> So there we go. Now we're in the mood. This is This Week in Sleeves on the Podcast on Fire network. It's our 27th episode, and you can find us on podcastonfire.com, plus all the other shows and the bonus episodes. Email for feedback if uh, you like Paul Anka and, and the one thing, want a Anka cast. Yeah. Uh, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. I'm sure we could fucking pull it off, man. We like, could do it. That- Let's dive deep into that discography. I like that song. I'm not like making fun of it. It's a very sweet song, and uh, I have no problem with music from from the 50s or the 60s or what have you. So uh, you know, you know, go for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Sam Cooke fan. I mean, we could throw him in at some point. You know, do a little yeah. offshoot stuff like that. We'll get into. That's know, Anka, Anka Cook cast, which is almost Anka Cock cast, which is not <laughs> it's funny to me, and that's how we keep it sleazy and our sanity intact. Right. It's close enough, you know? It's close enough to something sleazy. It's not actually called Cock. Well, it is now! <laughs> it's Cockcast. We'll rename all of his tracks to something naughty. <laughs> I love you is called I Fuck You. Dick Anna? Wait, what? <laughs> There we go. We're, we're creating people. We're creating as uh, as we go here. Uh, but podcast on fire at googlemail.com. If uh, you know uh, Anka, yes, just reply with an Anka yes or for a cook yes, and they will know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, follow us on Facebook as well. Facebook.com forward slash POF Network. Join the discussion group. Uh, search podcast on fire network in, sp- in the Facebook search bar. Uh, after you click the like on the very page that you said and tweet us at twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire my writing of uh, i don't uh, write about paul anka I, I think i should but i don't at sogoodreviews.com i, I don't think i even named uh, that he sung diana in my mini review just because i was either lazy or it was a quick take review that i just uh, well diana suffices you know people know what that is i don't, I, I don't need to know yeah. I, I was uh, like above it then above like, it but now I'm like, uh, yeah, I could do, it. I could do it with a, with a better anchor in my life. <laughs> you know, I, the 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 word anchor actually means um, in Swedish is a duck. By the way, it means it means duck. Yes, indeed. So Donald Duck is uh, Kalle Anka in Swedish. Oh my like, goodness. Yeah, Kalle as in Carl, essentially. Uh-huh. So. Carl. Yeah. yeah. But they're kind of like, like more of a like a loose, uh, loose more uh, looser like Carl um, is very proper, but uh, so they name him Kalle. Kalle Anka, Anka. Grown-up being type. I guess Donald is too, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Just Carl. Like, like the equivalent of uh, doing Bill instead of William. You know what I mean? Right. But it's just like Carl the Duck. He's like Carl's a guy that fixes your car or something. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't know. 
like sound of it and the tinge of it kind of makes sense in mm-hmm. sweet like uh, it's uh, because he's not Donald Duck is not Donald Duck is not like uh, this very proper high high art high polluting character so Kalanka is uh, is fine so if you want to do, us to do a Donald Duck uh, slash Kalanka podcast also write to podcast on fire <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see that for Sean Connery says. <laughs> Oh boy, fucking new voices. Sogoodreviews.com is where I'll do my reviews. And uh, Sleazy K Video is there where you'll find my mini video reviews. And I tweet about all of this stuff at twitter.com forward slash Sogoodreviews. So if you're, you know, hashtag Anka Yes or hashtag, you know, Kalle Yes. Hashtag Paul Anka Hour 2014. Hashtag, I don't think we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag, let's see if we get some replies on Twitter. I mean, we got that trending on Twitter, then. <laughs> I mean, we'd have to be <laughs> doing research on Paul Anka. Uh, so let's see, let's see. Well, tw- tw- your twenty fourteen is unwritten, you know. So um, and uh, I saw like this uh, Chinese zodiac video yesterday about uh, what's in store for my year because I'm uh, was born in the year of the sheep or the year of the goat. Uh, so uh, good things ahead. You know, so maybe this is it. I'm gonna cast. We'll sexy it up like you read about. Uh, and uh, that will therefore appear on uh, iTunes eventually. But for now, this week is least is on iTunes. So you can subscribe to us and uh, leave a star rating and a written comment if you have the time. Thank you very much. If you do so, and to those who have, thank you very much again. Uh, stream us on Stitcher if you don't like downloading podcasts to your device. Do that online, but uh, download the application for a bit smoother experience. iPhone, iPad, Android, uh, go to your app stores and find it is free. Type in this weekend's lease if you want to hear any show and add us to your favorites if you like us. And shelflifeclothing.com is the t-shirt store of our friend Brian Kirby who helps out with the sound uh, intro and outro on the show. So shelflifeclothing.com deserves a shout out. So there you go. Buy some t-shirts. God damn it. Very uh, celluloid. Well, plug away and um, talk off uh, whatever you like. Um, recently did uh, this article about Charlie Cho. That's Holy cool. hell the big uh, thing that uh, is going on over there uh, yeah there's not, uh, there's not much uh, comp- competition to like uh, no. <laughs> Charlie Cho articles out there that's why I adore and love you so much that you did it but it was not like Charlie Cho appears in movies and has sex the no, you you don't do it like this fourth grader who has not done his book report like oh, Treasure Island <laughs> it's about a treasure it's about a treasure <laughs> on an island you're like you went to town like you read about like on Charlie Cho Charlie. <laughs> well, it's because there's so little information out there. You know what I'm saying? That you know, it's like, well, you know, I don't know why anybody, nobody else has done it, but fuck it. You know, I'm gonna try to get as much information as about this guy as possible, and then he's, finding information. He's in jail right now. Like, well, that's. <laughs> It's like dark. <laughs> no, Charlie's actually not. Uh, Charlie's still going. I think he's on TV now. But uh... He was in a uh, Milky Way movie a few years ago. Uh, not one that Johnny Toe directed, but uh, and uh, the name escapes me now. But if you look at Charlie Toe's filmography, you can see he was in a Johnny Toe movie in a uh, in a bit role, maybe supporting role, and still looking uh, quite you know the same, a little bit older. So mm-hmm. very Charlie. So, sure, sure. Well, re- recognizable instantly. It's not like uh, 
this uh, he uh, you know in a five ten year span went from that his face fell apart or anything. So right. he's still still Charlie. But like I, the only information you could find on the internet was in Chinese, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I went through like uh, I went on Facebook. I found the Chinese spelling for his name, and then Googled his name. I think that's how I did it, and then I came up with his. Uh, Chinese Google, I mean Chinese Wikipedia. Then I found on there in their references a link to an article that had um pretty extensive little biography of him in an interview. And uh, I took that and did Google Translate and uh, the results were mixed. You know, it had a decent amount of information going that route, but uh, I was able to then take it and pass it to our friend uh, Sylvia over at Mm actionland.org and uh, she was able to do a translation for a good portion of the uh, interview so that was fantastic and I was able to get all kinds of information about you know Charlie how he got started in uh, you know the film world and got started as an actor and it just went from there wow uh, we did it, uh, Charlie Cho. Wow, wow, good, good man. I always, I mean, not that I could do it, and uh, you're better at this stuff than I am. But I always liked him as a mythical figure too. But this hasn't, you know, destroyed my no. my ch- childhood dreams. He's still pretty amazing. <laughs> like I don't know, like, I did, didn't get into it with. Um, Mom, my... does Charlie Claus not exist anymore? Not now that Joshua has done an article on. <laughs> of course he does, honey. He's okay. Charlie Claus. And so he, uh, like, I was just, just reading, like, some of his, like, I don't know, he's just like, kind of, a, um, at least a bit ornery, I think, is the way the interview sounds, you know? Just like, you know, oh, they paid me the money, you know, I don't give a shit, you know, I'll do whatever. <laughs> that was kind of what well, I like, you know, clearly he's cool with whatever, considering yes. he has no shame. Like, oh, I'll do it. It's not like he gets, often gets, like, erotic, steamy sex scenes. It's like, uh, you know, He's that, you know, he's he's solidified his uh, on-screen character and casting directors and directors uh, called on him to repeat that a lot. And he did, uh, willingly, and, uh, and, and, and earned some decent money, I gather. And then, like, just little things like him talking about his ex-wife, like, just like he seemed like he didn't even care that she went to Canada and left. And he's <laughs> like, whatever, you know, and I don't know, he's just he's a pretty interesting cat. But we knew uh, that beforehand. Yeah, you could assume that uh, he was not this like super timid, sh- shy guy that no. came out of his shell as soon as they, uh, or he reverted back into his shell as soon as they yelled cut. I mean, uh, there, mm-hmm. there must be something in his character to like uh, willingly go the places he did, you know. And uh, we, we've not touched on all the outrageous uh, Charlie Chow stuff, but but a fair amount, a fair amount. You know, yeah. the Milka stuff is uh, up there with like. <laughs> You know, want to see why I like this guy? Where are you going? <laughs> Don't break <laughs> up with me. <laughs> Baby. Uh, so we'll link to the Charlie Show article. It's fantastic. So uh, veridcellular.net and uh, you're on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, in short, uh, the Trashy Tree or what's uh, going on and uh, what's up and plug the URL and what have you. Got an episode of that recorded. Uh, should be coming up pretty soon. And uh, I mean... It's a lot more active, probably even than the writing the Trashy Trio is. So there's just always something happening at uh, trashytrio.libsen.com, or uh, you can find it on Facebook at the Trashy Trio. You no, know, 
right on. I mean, here's the thing. You can connect to Skype and have a good old chat about movies, but if you intend to put it up and do a little bit of post-production work, like a little bit of editing, mm-hmm. it does take a fairly sizable time out of your day, but that's the super basic stuff. I mean, you obviously uh, go in there and uh, edit and take out stuff, add music, promos, and what have you, <laughs> upload it to a website thing, and that takes up a certain amount of hours. So, yeah. uh, And you are, a, you are a workhorse, my friend, but um, you know there are only 24 hours uh, in the day, and you, you're like, you, you don't right. lie on your ass and then record a podcast and then go to bed. You have fucking school and work as well. So Yeah, school has been really crazy here lately. So uh, unfortunately, yeah, that has taken a bit out of uh, the time I would spend on the podcast as far as like editing. You still produce, man. You still produce. You, you started right out of the gate and, and like have delivered consistent your consistency. It's oh, not like you. episode one one month episode two six months later you know yeah. you, you've done the you have a monthly schedule going on mm-hmm. there, so. we try to at least you know be bi-weekly you know mm-hmm. that's what we're hoping mm-hmm. for you know once you know two episodes a month or something like that at least so uh yeah don't, definitely don't beat yourself down you're producing work course and that that i respect and uh, like to see you gotta stay busy sir uh let's uh do a small musical break yeah. and what music can we put in to like hmm. intro that stylist mm, something from the score maybe mm-hmm. have we like hinted at something in this like pre-discussion about some kind of artist that uh, is featured in the, not featured in the movie his song is kind of mm, anchor hour hmm well like what's the cook guy so uh You'll hear Diana for a wee while, but not the Paul Anka Diana. Let's hear a couple of uh, American, American-born Chinese and a Chinese man do their best Diana for 30 seconds. And welcome back, and we are reviewing Mad Stylist from 1997, a plot from my review of the film, the character of D, played by Wong He. Fails as a hairdresser, but a reunion with his childhood friend May, played by Hilary Choi, transforms into a romance with a killer edge towards others. <laughs> it's not high writing this, but uh, that's what it is. Uh, finally, D can materialize his mad stylist dreams. A sign of... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can do well sometimes with my plots. Uh, a sign of weakness leads D to sparing and taking in a mentally... I've written retarded, that's probably not PC, mentally challenged girl, played by Annie Mann, into his and May's lives, all while the cops, led by Ken Cheng and Michael Wong, do their best, 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 to catch this? them. <laughs> they do their best <laughs> to go fishing for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they do karaoke, they might as well have gone fishing too. Oh, how great would that have been? Yeah. Um, because it was a bonding scene, after all that, so... Yeah. A little bit of background. Tiny, tiny background. Category 3 movies akin to the onslaught of 1993 to 1995 was 
over by 1997, but we still got them occasionally. You know, quality was, uh, in terms of being up there with the best of them, that was rarer. The likes of Cash Chin was still making good ones, Poster Craze, uh, Sex and Sand 2, Naked Poison, and what have you. Uh, and the director of I Love Miss Fox that we covered on the show as part of uh, our episode focusing on misadventures of fooling. <laughs> that we dub- double build with Secret Lover. Uh, I Love Miss Fox uh, director Stefan Yip kept busy in the various genres and ratings, um, even after I Love Miss Fox. But the the odd sort of quirky humor that was evident in Miss Fox, although it was more of a wacky tale, that worked well for him, seemingly. Uh, he had confidence in that. So a return to making oddly tinted comedy category three it was with <laughs> Mad Stylist in 1997. Uh, you know, although they are kind of polar opposites of uh, of each other, you know, this is not that Lee Chung Ling vehicle at all, and it has bigger stars than I Love Miss Fox did. Um, and so more violence and more violence indeed so how did that work out well that's where our quick thoughts come in so Joshua first of all a brief opinion of Mad Stylist okay brief opinion uh, mm, I don't know if I have any brief opinions uh, <laughs> right uh, or enjoyable as, enjoyable en- there you go. enjoyable uh, not perfect but uh, interesting <laughs> Indeed, uh, it's a, for me. It surprises. It amuses. It probably disgusts to a degree, which I like, and it uh, it affects. In it's kind of hard to believe that it does, and I don't know how it kind of gets to me. It's not like that I sobbed or anything, but it does affect me in somewhat emotionally. It's an oddly romantic tale of with a macabre <laughs> aura to it, and uh, Ken Cheng and Michael Wong running alongside this uh, main plot because they are supporting actors after all. I, I love production companies that have uh, funny names in Hong Kong cinema because sometimes they are um, like grammar- things, huh? Yeah, they are grammatically incorrect sometimes so sometimes they're just so generic they're great. Uh, I saw a movie recently by Kirk Wong called Taking Manhattan that the production company was Friends Cheers Limited. <laughs> <laughs> but here we go this is a smile land production <laughs> smile land making movies about puppies and rainbows Aww. and uh, you know puppies in rainbows on rainbows oh, you know it's smile land uh, mad stylist <laughs> <laughs> so you know it, it's it's the little things that get me in the mood you know that that i'm mm-hmm. i'm in now i'm in now smile land make me happy and uh, i kind of was uh, kind of was happy um Let's get something out of the way. Uh, this in uh, in the sparse reviews that are in uh, are in there and published for Mad Stylist, there are mentions of um, how the Quentin Tarantino uh, influence uh, is hovering above this movie, and it does. Um, I haven't seen Natural Born Killers in a dog's age. Uh, do you think um, reviews are valid and correct in saying this has um, is either ripping off or um, uh, riffing on the Natural Born Killers? You think? Uh I wouldn't go so far as... To, I mean, well... See, in the 90s, after Tarantino came out... And Tarantino wrote the script for Natural Born Killers... As well as True Romance... Yep. And uh, he had his whole big string of films and everything... You know, after that, there was like a rush of movies... That tried to like emulate his pop culture, you know, style... Or mm. what have you... They had like Boondock Saints and uh, Suicide Kings... And movies like that... The, you know, and then they had like the 
even better, slightly more elevated movies, like Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead. Mm-hmm. So it was like this whole lineup of movies that were, you know, essentially trying to jump off from where, you know, he started. So, you know, it, it joins good and bad company in that regard. But this was, Mad Stylus is slightly more um, in your face with how much it kind of borrows from the Tarantino stuff, especially, like, at one point in the film, and I don't know if you noticed it, but there is actually a, uh, a poster for Natural Born Killers in the background. That I did not see. Uh, yes. I mean, it's kind of an onslaught visually, this, so it's, uh, it's not mm-hmm. uh, easy to catch everything. Uh, the, the biggest, I guess, uh, uh, riffing that I catched is the emulation of the Pulp Fiction opening theme that is right. present in this movie, yeah. you know, uh, and I ha- had to look it up because I never Miss learned Lou it. Or what have you. Uh, exactly, Dick Dale and his Deltones, and the track yeah. is called Miss Lou. Right, and this is like, you know, this isn't Miss Lou, but it sure enough, man, it sounds exactly like it. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, there's no, it's not. Like, does, that, does that sound like Diana or does it sound like Miss Lou? No, you know, exactly. there's no question what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Uh, that on top of like and what they get from uh, natural born killers is the strange bizarre mix of uh like visual flourishes that are meant to like tack on to like the emotional element of a scene yes so like you know you you ran into that a lot with natural born killers just that was kind of where uh oliver stone started going from I don't know, making good movies to bad, in my opinion. But like it's, that was—it's a bit of an onslaught, yes. And right. uh, later uh, on, he would make even movies that were that are more preposterous in style and tone. Uh-huh. But like Natural Born Killers has those quick flashes of random things, and this film does that too. There are like odd, bizarre moments, like where characters are fighting, and they cut to Yokozuna versus Lex Luger on television. Yeah. And it, like you know wrestling matches and stuff and then there's like there, there's after a, a shooting there's a uh, you know cuts to the John F. Kennedy assassination it's just like quick little succession of shots that are just bizarre and weird and it, it's obviously I mean if you've seen at the time if you had seen Natural Born Killers you were like what the hell and mm-hmm. then the new Pulp Fiction at the time too probably seen like really bad I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's riffing on that, and uh, it wasn't necessarily super successful in Natural Born Killers. I don't, rem- I don't remember Dick about that movie, really. I'm it was not, not uh, I, I, I wasn't at that time either. Uh, but um, it, it's cool to see a Hong Kong movie alive with ideas, at least. I mean, right. it's, uh, it's uh, not uh, certainly stale uh, in the way it's made, and uh, no. I, I, I like cutaways to, like, um, one of the opening scenes of uh, is uh, actually. Uh, at the tail end of the story where we see Wong He D get uh, shot. Uh, he's uh, approaching uh, what is the uh, Animan character in a wheelchair and the police are there and they shoot him and they cut to amidst this him uh, being on a comic book cover uh, within this. You know? yeah. So they, tra- they transfer they, they cut to right. or, trans- or transfer the scene into that. So that you know that's your first like uh, view of that. And it's also a movie that needs to be uh, hopefully is strong despite um, playing out the final fate of two key characters in the first scene because the rest of the movie is a flashback. Right. Uh, because we know D is uh, pretty much presumably dead in the way he's shot and what have you. Like, uh, certain elements of that kind of reminds me of uh, 
a Japanese filmmaker. Uh, let me see, what was his name? I like I like him so much that I have to look up his name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Kinji Fukasaku. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, Kinji Fukasaku. <laughs> he did this thing with these seven samurais and stuff. No, uh, Katsuhito Ishii. Okay. Uh, yeah, he did uh, Shark Skin Man and Peach Hip Girl, as well as like Party Seven. And uh, I mean, he, he kind of toned out later, and he, you know, Taste of Tea and things like that. But um, yeah, those early films of his, Sharkskin Man and Peach Hip Girl in particular, and Party Seven, both kind of have that same, you know, influenced by Tarantino style, but also very concerned with visual flourishes, especially Party Seven, which actually opens with this amazing, like, anime uh, intro to the film and everything like that, with, like, just tons of just energy, raw energy, just mm. bursting on the screen. And, you know, this film is kind of, you know, kind of similar to that. You know, it does cut to different little anime scenes throughout, which seem to be, you know, seem to come from... Uh, one was definitely from uh, Urutsuki Doji. Um, there, there is a shot where you see uh, a woman licking another woman's nipple. Yeah. Uh, and that woman is like a teacher. This is a schoolgirl. The teacher yes, turns into that. a monster later in the scene. It's like one of the first like big scenes in the first OVA, uh, Legend of the OVA Fiend. So I recognize that, but I think there are some different animes uh, spliced in every now and again. I thought I saw Fist the North Star, uh, like the sequences could... where like Ray would like throw his punches or whatever that would like slice people's heads in half and yeah. uh, and stuff like that and I thought I saw yeah, yeah that scene I saw and I thought like is that Angel Cop no it's not Angel Cop so probably that was probably Fist of the North Star at that point because there is a shot in Angel Cop where uh, you know the cop in question shoots a guy and his entire head explodes and you see uh, you know his entire head ripped open and brains and eyes uh, eye hanging out of his uh, yeah. you know, eye socket and what have you uh, which, which is uh, cool it has an energy about it but uh, let's uh, talk more about that a little bit later let's uh, talk uh, about uh, the two cops uh, <laughs> one the um, one being the guy who wants to look more like an FBI agent he wants to look slick I can't change one looks like a mountain bike rider and that is Michael Wong <laughs> <laughs> like he is cool like I'm, he, is, he probably did ride in on his mountain bike you know this is not Michael STU SDU Wong or anything this is Michael I'm cool with whatever. You know, I am a cop. I, I can do investigation, but, you know, relax. You know. This, is, this is young and buff, Michael, trying to show off his guns is what this is. So oh, he, yeah, wears, he, he wears as tight as shirts as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. And so that's why he goes for the mountain biker look. So what do you famous. think of this dual act, then? Of, uh, ca- because it isn't anything special on paper. The two cops investigate. They bond a little bit. It's uh, It isn't... It isn't more than that, but what do you think of their double act, Ken Cheng and Michael Wong? My and uh, uh, listeners, this is all sync sound, by the way. So, uh, the mix of thirty percent Chinese and seventy percent English from Michael Wong is there. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, one of my notes was just like Ken Cheng and Michael Wong in the same movie. You know, what is somebody answering my dreams or something? Mm. Because I love both of these guys, man. I really do, and uh, you know. They both they do as well as I could have hoped because they both do seem to have real, a lot of chemistry, yes. and uh, they they really like uh, they're really an, an entertaining pair. Yeah, yeah, they are really. I mean, without being super comedic or anything, they just uh, they are actually a good example of actors being comfortable with each other and mm-hmm. uh, just uh, delivering some uh, 
maybe not natural dialogue, but certainly just looking comfortable. And some of the humor is actually quite low key and make you go, huh? Uh, <laughs> Ken Cheng at one point, you know, he's a little bit of a higher up, but not um, uh, a big higher up. So he can talk to just. Uh, uh, patrolling officers like order them around so at one point when they uh, have enco- uncovered the first victim they, he turns to one of these cops like uh, and asks him uh, did, did the dog say anything have you questioned the dog <laughs> well why haven't you why don't you understand him you're a bad cop yes it's like what <laughs> makes okay. no sense it's like yes. cuckoo <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's uh, I, I like that low key kind of uh, delivery uh, right. as well you know so um, you fear kind of that the movie will turn out even more arty than like the cutaways we um, described because um, when we meet the Wong Hess character he's introduced as uh, walking the streets in Hong Kong and we get that blurry Wong Kawai uh, step printing look to a movie which yeah. is uh, you know the red alert art red alert for me you know <laughs> pretentious uh, alarm Yes, but Stefan Yip is not very interested in that he's more interested in uh, like um, um doing his natural born killers if you will mm-hmm. so it's not an abstract movie I'm saying uh, so I, I, I do um, I do that uh, uh, I do like that there, there are some like very cool and odd humor when he shows the apartment to the first I think this is the second guy right? because this is how Wong He and Hilary Choi yeah. lure in their victims like oh here's an apartment to rent and then they kill him off Uh, But at one point they're talking about like um, he's showing him the view, like the street view. And we get a cutaway to a big cinema screen showing pornography or it looks like it's filled off a TV. But it's like, is that supposed to be a big old cinema screen on the street? Or what Mm. are you doing here, Stefan Yip? It's just style, like same way, you know the wrestling matches were filmed off of a TV and stuff like that just to like emphasize like ooh they're fighting yeah <laughs> I, 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 I think also one of my notes I just read that it maybe represents planted forts as a new tenant might be a peeper so he shows him the street and that's his train of thought well isn't, like, porn, isn't it porn. during the same sequence where he's like you know oh and you know there's a secret show or a show every evening where uh, this neighborhood girl this that uh, is foreigner it. Is, that uh, is it. That yeah. is the cutaway I'm talking about. Like. Yeah, and she shows her breasts and stuff like that, and you know they're both right. looking out like, "Oh, really, breasts?" And uh, yeah. Do 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 you find that like kind of low key humor funny or just uh, oddly curious, but not really good for the movie? Oh. Every time there's a a Hong Kong pervert, <laughs> I find it humorous. So and uh, yep, we do indeed. I uh, think it's uh, the actor Joe Chung uh, with his ponytail. He's very recognizable in a few movies in the nineties. Uh, and this movie has a like a fair amount of uh, people in it in bit parts that you recognize as stuntmen from movies or what have you. Even Peter Chan Lung appears at, at one point. Uh, Peter Chan Lung from The Prodigal Son playing Yun Biu's assistant. He's in Fong Sai Yuk playing essentially the same part, that red nose and that uh, his gums sticking out and what have you. That's Peter Chan Lung. He's in Fist of Fury as well, so he's a recognizable guy. So. Yeah, I was just going to say with this, this first killing or whatever, uh, <laughs> what, you know, because the gentleman ends up being killed by our protagonist because, you know, he tells him, do not peep on me and my girlfriend, you know? 
at, mm-hmm. you know, that's the one rule, basically, in the house. Don't do that. And literally, this dude has just walked into the apartment, like, in five seconds. They're like, you know, yeah, 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 just don't ever peep on us. You ever peep on us. It's they they always uh, plan to kill him because in the background think... she's la- she's laying out uh, uh, or he's laying out the plastic already at one point before even that like you peeped I'll kill you you know they ha- they are slightly preparing to do it regardless if he peeps or not. Oh, okay, so I, I yeah. was like, you know, well, one thing I just love that you know it's it's Hong Kong of course so like you know uh, as soon as he tells him don't peep. And as soon as his girlfriend, you know, takes off her shirt in the other room, of course he's gonna go peep, you know, immediately and like like a dog in heat yeah. or something like that. <laughs> so, I, I I actually did see that as it's either that that he actually did or that uh, she uh, like consciously undressed, uh, kind of um, yeah, trying to lure him, him yeah. to make him do it, you know, mm, to make exactly. him peep. You know, because because, what, because the D like happily like uh, rolls out all the plastic like while, while when it's not looking you know they, this is a very uh, they, it's their routine you yeah. know and then uh, it is a kind of a brutal scene actually because he's um, he uh, he smashes his head in with a hammer and yes. uh, then oh, we get a cut a, it's kind of a brutal yeah it's it's brutal it is very brutal but also very darkly comedic because yeah we de- we do get a cut to cut bloody cartoon violence right. um, and also he doesn't die. Uh, because yeah. that you know it's like uh, why did you do that then D like um, gets mad at him what? you're bleeding all over the place what the hell is wrong with you you clean it up you know <laughs> victim <laughs> yeah and I, I I actually like that and then you you know you okay that's the movie we're in for but then the actual killing method um, that's the killing method but they don't um they don't like just roll up the corpse in in the plastic and dump him. No, no, because this is the mad stylist, and here's the macabre side of the movie. So, do you want to, in essence, explain what they desire to do to their victims post uh, post death? Take a hacksaw and then remove the limbs, and then, of course, you know, also style the dude's hair. But mm. the hacksaw is the most noticeable thing in this scene, starting off. Yeah, they um they go to they don't put a little bit of makeup on him. Yeah, you know uh, he's so happy, uh, D that he uh, and also this guy had a ponytail, so there's room for creativity. And they, <laughs> they you know, and and that's the way they dump the corpses, like really in stylish get-up hair-wise. <laughs> right. No, I mean he he does like triple ponytails and stuff like that for the hairs. I mean the hair, and there's a reason the guy isn't a stylist, is because. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the the decorations and the designs he comes up with are pretty awful. Did Did you like these train of thoughts that the movie had? Like, this is the macabre kind of darkly comical side to it, you know, uh, mm-hmm. because uh, you can't predict this necessarily when you go into a movie that this is where it's going. You know, so uh, right. did Did you like how it was presented? I suppose. Uh, yeah, the mix is, you know, I I don't know, you know, I kind of you know you watch it and you kind of get that it's uh. You know, trying to be humorous and whatnot, but the the violence is pretty pretty harrowing stuff. It's pretty brutal. It so, you know, it, when it when it, when it's time to be funny, it's funny. But whenever it's time to, you know, we're gonna show you some really messed up. You know, it it gets serious. 
I, I think the mix works. It's not this uh, Stephen Chow Aya humor that no. we get here. Uh, I think uh, maybe uh, in a way it's kind of clever because Stefan Yip, uh, you know, makes makes us comfortable, mm-hmm. and then boom. Uh, we we get you know the hammer to the head, right? Um, and that's not a bad uh, that fa- bad thing. And they, there's some good. Um, uh, I, I like Wong He a lot in this movie. He's um, very controlled and very like uh, slick and stylish. But the overacting places he goes, I find uh, were, were very um, uh, enjoyable. They weren't uh, badly overacted, so that the movie uh, suffered for it. You know, at times he's like manically screaming. You know. And uh, I, I made a note, I think he says it to this guy, but uh, if not, he says it to someone what he thinks of him as a human. Like, oh. you're, you're like vagina lies, only bigger. You're pollution of the earth. <laughs> I, I had the same exact note. I took note of that. I was like, jeez, dude is... You know, that's a thought he's built up in himself. Right. That's what he thinks. Like, you're like vagina lies. <laughs> Which is <laughs> only pretty big, odd, Only bigger. You know? <laughs> I don't think it's a mistranslation. I think that's Dee's uh, way of uh, seeing. Yeah, and obviously we're dealing with a dysfunctional couple thinking they're functional because it's so um, they're so routine. Uh, Dee and uh, and May, you know, they're they're dumping the body parts, you know, and having a pleasant car ride together. You know, casual talk about happiness and uh, they're cherishing their history together and their memories while off to dump a body. Uh, so it's uh, it's uh, uh, I like this mix of um, it's not dark and disturbing. It's just like it's pretty, it's pretty mildly um, quirky and pretty funny to see them uh, be so out of it because they are out of it, completely out of it, and they have a history together. And I suppose the style of uh, Stefan Yip cutting to home what is looks like home video footage, but it's actually flashbacks to DMA's. Um, uh, yeah. Past history, you know, is uh, that style works better for the movie? You know, I I didn't mind that it was filmed off a TV to kind of give a flashback look, if you will. Yeah, uh, I actually like that as well. I like the, uh, you know, obviously shot on video. Uh, it might appearance. have been originally as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you you see uh, May, you know, she scares bullies, you know, and uh, kind of um, her and the. Uh, get together that way because he was a pushover back then as well and he is still um, so so it works for that to get a different look to the medium of film this particular uh, section and the various dips into the flashbacks uh, work and you know, are even um, kind of um, uh, disturbing at points uh, both for story wise and for some unfortunate uh, animal cruelty that I'm sure will mm-hmm. uh, touch upon if you will uh, but back to Michael Wong and Kent Cheng. I don't remember the names of them. That doesn't really matter to me. They are Kent and Michael in my book. Uh, <laughs> and and as you know, we get a special appearance credit for them, which is actually a complete bullshit because they they are supporting actors. Right. It's not like hi, I'm Kent Cheng. I'm Michael Wong. We were asked to appear in this movie. Now we're gone. Bye. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. It's, it's where's, our, where's our paycheck? <laughs> <laughs> they so, have. They have larger roles than those cops and last house on the left that's for sure yeah definitely and it's all routine talk and routine investigation their scenes are not scripted and and directed in any particular way but I, um, I can only say that it's it's enjoyable because the actors are very relaxed and I like one is sort of uptight and worried and Michael Wong uh, that is Ken Chang and Michael Wong is more he is relaxed, uh, but he's also trying to be constructive. You know, look at the case, but also like relax a little bit, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We, we'll get this done, but you know, 
I really like that. It's uh, it's memorable for both of them. Not like they should have been uh, nominated for uh, acting awards or anything, but I, I like Michael better playing it more, being more natural and relaxed rather than going like all out ayah and psycho like in Fatal Love. Um, <laughs> he, he's good at being natural in in this environment. Matt Stylist offers up anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I quite like him here as well. I just see he that relaxed tone you're talking about. He strikes it up like right when he's first introduced, and uh, you know the whole little sequence where Ken Chang's kind of bad mouthing him because he doesn't think he understands him like mm-hmm. as a foreigner or what have yeah. you. But like uh, the whole scene, like Michael's sitting there like eating like a sandwich or something. Yeah. Like, mm. <laughs> he's like does, does not give a crap at all and there of course is um, some movies where you see Michael he, he does go for like uh, he does speak quite a lot of Chinese um, I mean I saw that movie where he played the genie uh, whatever you want uh, that was pretty much 90% Chinese not a lot of stuff basically only the opening scene where the genie appears like hi I'm, I'm the genie like Aladdin and then the rest is Chinese, you know. Oh, yeah. I've seen that clip. <laughs> so yeah, that would be Did great. You share that on, is that on YouTube? It's uh, I posted on my Facebook in this case, but uh, it's from this wonderful Wong, Wong Jing movie called Whatever You Want, where he plays a genie. She comes to the door and he says, "Hey, I'm the genie, like a lad." <laughs> and he has uh, he rarely has his shot on in that movie, and uh, we all uh, should be you? envious. Yes, <laughs> he should always have his shirt off. Yeah, uh, but here it's uh, barely any Chinese at some point. You know, it's uh, in if you look if you like line up five sentences, at least three and a half are in English from Michael, which is fine. Which is fine. I I don't look down at that at all. And we've discussed it before. Like this is not something you direct. It's just like Michael says that. Okay, I'm gonna be upfront with you guys. I know the script, but I might not remember all the Chinese words. I will revert to English uh, and have that script memori- memorized as well. You know, if, if that's the case, you know, he did did do a pretty good job because it's not like he's stuttering his lines or anything like that. You know, exactly. If he flows in and out of um, right. uh, of it uh, for several sentences at a time, a few words here and there, and I have nothing bad to say about that. I, I have fun with it, but it's not like he's so bad he can't speak the language. Boo! I'm laughing at him now. No, I, hey, they I, hired I him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. They, I know. They knew what was going on. They were probably like, "Oh, cool, he speaks English." Yeah, there's been he plenty of sync sound movies with him too. So it's not like right. uh, he was dubbed in every performance he ever gave. Um, and I like it better this way. Much better. <laughs> uh, some of the darker aspects again, uh, coming back, um, coming back to the flashback is that I think this was it. I mean, uh, May she was raped as a child, and we see it. Yeah. Uh, That's crazy. Obviously, the kid actor is um, moving yeah. in the frame rather than like some guy being all over her. But uh, you know, it's clearly when we see that home video flashback that she was raped as a child, um, and that's kind of uh, you know, it's memorable character drama, probably not, but uh, it, it adds to that uh, they're not happy-go-lucky characters like they um, give off, uh, you know, right. as uh, as the killer couple they are. It's um, and the more how... you see of their background, the more you kind of understand how, why they're so psychotic. Yeah, and um, at some point she, oh, well, I can't remember the context now, but there, there is a scene where a frog is uh, yeah. cut up dissection style, but not very uh, clean well, and neat. First, it's a rat, 
Yes. Have, and it's obviously a dead rat. That's, yeah. uh, I don't think there's really much of a context other than there, he's having a flashback to it, and uh, she's just uh, kind of out there, you know, as a kid. Yeah. And uh, first she's dissecting a rat, and uh, then they have a live frog that gets dissected. Mm. You know, which is... Uh, it's like an F on the grade scale there if you did that in school, right? Because uh, that, <laughs> that, that didn't look like, a, you know, according to the way you're supposed to dissect it. Uh, no, kind of when, thing. We, when I've done my dissections and stuff like that, uh, they're usually dead and then from aldehyde, so... Yeah, but you still need to be a bit more thorough than right. she was. That was just like digging into that whole poor <laughs> thing, you know. That's just, I'm doing this for a movie and we're trying to gross people out. Well, you did. You did. <laughs> um, another thing that's... Hardest like... scene in the movie to masturbate to. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the scene I masturbated to was when the transvestite peed in a bottle and watered his plants. That that was hot. That was that was good too. Yeah, that was. Ooh, yeah. And they, this and is where we. The, I go ahead. I was just gonna say he's the principal at the school for the um, mentally challenged as well. Yes, and this is where we meet our handicapped girl, uh, played by Annie Mann, and I forgot the freaking name of her i didn't even write her freaking name so uh but uh, well, he here's where d has his uh conscience kick in his moral kicks moral kicks in because i think he obviously kills him uh but he doesn't have the balls to uh kill her uh, right. there is something about her some kind of well, inno- innocence the reason he's trying well like the reason he's even there in the first place was that uh you know whilst on the little trip or whatever, after they killed the gentleman back in the apartment, they go on a little trip out into the country to get rid of the body parts. Well, that while they're out, you know, like idiots sitting there, <laughs> getting ready, getting rid of body parts, they they decide to play a game of, you know, ring toss using a bag with an arm inside of it, and they're trying to like you know, throw it from a bridge into the barrel, and whoever gets it wins or something. And while they're doing this, the special girl comes walking up, and she sees uh, D holding uh, an arm. Mm-hmm. And so they decide, well, we gotta kill her. And that's what how they trace her down to the you know special school, and they end up following her from the school to the principal's home, where he plans the principal I think plans to molest her, while also you know which you know, a funny little bit or whatever, where he's walking around in women's clothing and uh, chastising someone over the phone for, like, uh, your son should watch how he conducts himself uh, in sexual nature because people will get the wrong idea. Goodbye, good uh, sir! (laughs) Yes, he's like, on the phone, of course, just... And, 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 and he, I think he didn't have a moustache as well and uh, yes. like the, the drag appearance looked even more like uh, uh, just sloppily put together and, and he does pee in a bottle and water his plants that way like the most disgusting human ever like he, he goes as well you know that's right. <laughs> this, this what he's into so, uh, but yeah, uh, she does. Um, she does uh, become a resident, a permanent part in their uh, lives, if you will, and uh, that uh, shakes up the foundation of the love between D and May, and that's the drama in the movie. And uh, Annie Man doesn't have any lines, as far as I know. She's uh, uh, she's, she's a child in appearance, and definitely doesn't know what's uh, going on. But they don't. Uh, she just. Um, they don't do this big old full retard uh, acting, if you will, that right. uh, tro- tropic, tropic thunder like. 
full retard acting. You know, she's more like she doesn't know what's going on. Ooh, play with something. You know, she yes. she is a little girl essentially. Does you know? Does she even have any lines in the movie? I don't remember. Not many, if so, but uh, maybe a line or two. Like maybe at one point she calls out Dee's name. Uh, you know, during the beginning, possibly. I don't think she says anything during that, though. You know, especially not when they flash back to it from at the ending of the movie. You yeah. know. Um, yeah, so, which, yeah, I think it's pretty much ninety-nine percent uh, dialogue left. Silent, from, from yeah. Uh, so that that's also an enjoyable part of the movie. Actually, I I, I like the little bit where um, he D is cutting uh, Annie Man's character, and he says like, "Why aren't you trembling?" to himself, like, yeah. uh, and that is um, because when he cut hair, he did tremble, uh, but now that he now that he was more comfortable, like uh, doing mad mad stylist things with victims, <laughs> dead victims, he was. Uh, shot and didn't tremble but with this live girl that he is supposed to kill but he does keep alive for a little bit he doesn't tremble either you know he's comfortable yes. around her for some reason and he kind of asks himself like why what are you doing yes what's wrong with you man uh, not too uninteresting actually right so that's a good fun we also get the flashbacks to how they fell in love as adults uh, may and uh, d and uh, it's uh it, it's very upbeat, um, upbeat kind of tale how they meet at the salon, uh, and it's uh, a bit long too, you know. It it, it it is a bit long, but it ends with uh, a faked, um, faked uh, microwaving of a dog. Uh, right. Set, set, set to upbeat fifties saxophone music, like yeah, we did. It. <laughs> <laughs> And so uh, what, what it is essentially is that they uh, like uh, the people are mean to D at the salon, and they like um, change the temperature of temperature of the water of the um, woman he's supposed to shampoo, and uh, she says, "Oh, you scolded me! You scolded her! You're fired!" or whatever. And uh, then he meets May, and uh, they fall in love, and nothing matters anymore. And, love uh, that crash zoom on each of them, like it's super stylish, like yeah. You know, when their eyes connect or whatever, we get these zooms and these, like, uh, vertigo shots inside of the uh, barbershop to kind of, like, I don't know, emphasize their meeting. Yeah. And, and, they, and they, the environment doesn't matter at that point. But uh, they do take revenge on the people at the salon and actually uh, takes the little dog of the slightly obese woman that he supposedly scorched uh, her... Um, uh, uh, and uh, puts that in the microwave. Yeah, well. uh, and they uh, and, and they found, find that out. And uh, what it is is obviously just a piece of fur, and uh, that's uh, smoking. They obviously didn't uh, put a real dog in the microwave there. So. Right. Uh, but it is that like uh, it in, it ends up beat for them dysfunctional slash dysfunctional couple. Obviously, them thinking they're functional when they're obviously dysfunctional. Uh, this was great. This is the best part of the day. We did it. <laughs> and they flamenco together at one point. They cut, they break into a salon. Uh, so they flamenco together at one point. Um, or, or, or not flamenco. They um, kind of play... Um, uh, he acts like a bull and they, uh, or she acts like a bull and he has this red cloth and kind of... Uh, Kind of uh, puts it out of the way, and it's it's a bit flamenco in style too. They, it's a bit of a dance sequence, uh, and he cuts her hair, which is sex. Really, it's the only sex scene in the movie, really, because it is really sexual. Uh, because at, uh, she has longer hair in the beginning of the movie, and then um, we see her in her shorter haircut uh, throughout the movie. Often, oh so. yeah. 
do, do you think it works all throughout? Do you think that Stefan Yip is confident in his like quirky humor slash macabre uh, dips and dark dips? Do you think it? Um, do you think it ties it up essentially? I, I think so. I think the movie is like uh, incredibly stylish, and I think that uh, even though it's a bit uh, bizarre because of it, I think that the overall it's just the bizarre stuff works the mm-hmm. weird stuff works and I think that that and the combination of humor and the violence and everything like that despite being very different you know just because of the weird nature of the movie it all seems it's like well fuck it makes sense you know yeah of hey. course they barbecue a dog you know yeah <laughs> of course that would be like a key part of their you know love story mm-hmm. okay and I like him uh, again uh, going really nuts acting wise in the first suitably more messy killing of the boss of the salon that finds them uh, in his salon, you know, uh, having bre- breaking into it at night. And they are suitably messy, and he goes nuts while doing so. Like, <laughs> okay. Uh, but, but Wong Hair is really good at that. I think he's got a good grasp of, of that. And I think the the woman with the dog gets uh, gets it as well because there is a cutaway. I, I mean, a note of a cutaway I made in my notes where she probably does get killed. I've forgotten actually. But uh, Stefan Yip cuts to her hung in a tree, a painting of her hung in a tree, and audience is clapping. Like, yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, that sort of stuff also reminds me of Natural Born Killers because there's that whole sequence in that movie where during like a flashback, whenever we see, uh, I forget the characters' names in that movie, but like there's like Mickey this... and Mallory, was it? Yes, yeah, dang. <laughs> the only thing yeah. I remember. <laughs> where you see uh, the girl, I forget if she's Mickey or Mallory. Mallory, I guess, yeah. But so you see her. Right. <laughs> Would Woody Harrelson be Mallory, really? <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> He's played crossdressers before, but uh, yeah. So Mallory, they they cut back to her and her home life, and like Rodney Dangerfield plays her dad or something, and like Dangerfield's like talking about raping her and molesting her or whatever. And I'm raping you now! Hey! <laughs> no respect! No respect! The guy wants to rape his daughter. Come on! So, uh, yeah, he's talking about taking her, you know, taking her upstairs and doing this and that. And, like, the, the, there's, is like, that the sitcom sequence? Yeah, it yes. is the sitcom sequence, yes. Right. And that that's what reminds me, you know, it reminded me of quite yeah, a yeah, bit. Yeah, um, it wouldn't Canned be laughter. Yeah, it wouldn't be out there to think that Stefan Yip uh, grabbed it from that. Um, so uh, it's... Well, he's obviously a fan because, like, there's that sequence with the place where they keep um, the young girl. They keep her upstairs or something in their apartment, and um, upstairs there's a poster for Natural Born Killers on the wall, as well as Leon, the professional. Mm-hmm. So it's like this is very much a product of the '90s. Oh yeah, of course, and uh, I, I think that's very much uh, conscious as well. So uh, right. Uh, but not the worst um, echoing of uh, uh, fa- uh, like fandom like transferred to your particular art. I mean, I've seen worse ripoffs in that regard. Well, I mean, yeah, if you're going to be influenced by anybody, well, these are pretty good choices. <laughs> but what he doesn't have is uh, the following. And this is the end of the review, but we'll save the best for last. Uh, the cops, they have their doubts about, the, oh, we're not finding enough clues, uh, Ken Cheng mainly, you know. So he sits at a bar trying to clean his thoughts and, and drink, you know, he has some shots and what have you. And it's downtime in, in the investigation because he can't 
progress, but Michael Wong favors like, okay, let's have some actual downtime. Let's sing karaoke. Uh, because he, he's a kind of a very relaxed and wise cop that can pick pick up Kent, you know, uh, put him in a better mood. Uh, yeah. So that he, you know, work hard but play harder. Kind of, um, That's what he says. Indeed. I uh, don't remember if he said it in English or not, but what yeah. does this lead to, Joshua? What is the kind of ultimate bonding sequence between these two characters? You know, I said karaoke, but, uh, you know, cue karaoke. What happens? Diana. <laughs> <laughs> the absolute best sequence in any movie ever made. Bar none. Yeah, it's a duet. <laughs> duet. And uh, Paul Anka's song is not a duet song, but uh, Michael starts singing... Diana to uh, Ken Cheng. It's supposed to be, man. It is. It, it was destined to be, yes. And uh, Anka ain't got shit on, <laughs> on Michael and Ken Cheng, right? Uh, Michael's it, got it, that voice. It's a wonderful voice. I think it's a wonderful singing voice. And they, they do sing it live. Uh, the saxophone is uh, mine, but... Uh, for sake of argument, let's say he did l- knew how to play saxophone at this point. I know he does now. Uh... He, we we get the sight of Michael uh, doing that, and uh, it's it's a uh, it's pure sex, Joshua. It's pure sex. Yeah, what I say, it's like he makes the saxophone a sexy phone. Yes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and he's wearing that, uh, like you said, the bicycle spandex shirt and everything like that. Muscles bulging. It's uh, it's uh, it's wonderful. I mean, it's uh, does it belong? Yes, it does. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, uh, if viewers remember it, then goddamn it is supposed to be in there. And Ken Cheng sings it in English as well with uh, Michael. And uh, at one point he says, you know, uh, stay by me. And then Ken Cheng's uh, Chinese name, uh, his character's Chinese name. It doesn't say Diana initially. Uh, so it's like almost like a little homoerotic thing going on. There. Because he oh. says uh, he's um, Chinese. Yeah, he definitely says his Chinese name, like Luke Chung or what have you. Uh, oh, Goodness. Yeah. It's in the subtitles too. It's all in English and then you see a, a few Chinese um, now, letters. When I, first, when I first watched the movie, uh, uh, I accidentally, accidentally watched the dubbed copy of it. Mm. But even <laughs> even in the dubbed version, though, they cut, they, they code uh, Michael Wong for the singing voice. Yeah. So uh, I was like, that was where I, you know, I first was like contacted you. I was like, there's oh, the boner, yes. finally. I was like, yes, he's second to hear Michael. And you were like, uh, you should have been hearing him the whole time. I'm like, whoo. <laughs> so I had to go back. Yeah, it's a sync sound movie. The VCD has two tracks, default is Mandarin. So, mm-hmm. so that, that that's what you need to know because as for availability, uh, Universe only issued this movie on VHS and VCD. On, on VHS, it's Cantonese. Uh, and it's tough to get a hold of this. This it's another print uh, title. The so best uh, best best bet is to check eBay for used copies, or worst comes to worst, check the torrent sites. Uh, for, um, it's worth um, finding Mad Stylist, and uh, it's got a wonderful tag on one of the posters tagline, which says the first haircut is the deepest. <laughs> <laughs> first haircut's the deepest. Baby, <laughs> I would have given you all of my cuts <laughs> to something that cut us apart. 
There you go. There you go. Uh, Rewrite this shit in a in a heartbeat. A lot of singing this episode. Yes. Uh, so that that's uh, that. Uh, I, I didn't even ask if you want to mention any any other notes, but um, so go ahead. Even if we did uh, did the availability. Pretty good. Pretty good. 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 Yeah. Uh, it, so it was not a good time, but it was good time. But uh, after the break, fatal love doesn't present any good time for anyone oh. at all. It's pitch black. Stuff and Michael Wong dubbed, but it's uh, well worth it to talk of Fatal Love from 1993. So we'll be right back. Welcome back, and now we are discussing Fatal Love from 1993 and plot from my review of the film. After being thrown out of the police academy, Debbie Fong, played by Ellen Chan, who was in movies like Doctor Vampire and The Eternal Evil of Asia, Ellen Chan, she gets a new chance after being thrown out of the academy, but instead the proposition is to go undercover. Accepting the mission to get close to Tycoon Lao Fuk Tin, played by Michael Wong, a dubbed Michael Wong, unfortunately, but uh, we 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 give we give every Michael Wong movie a chance to matter, despite. Yes. Um, he is suspected of a number of murders of women, uh, and under the disguise of Marianne, Debbie quickly gets close to Lao, going so far as getting almost permanent residence uh, with the man. Debbie witness horrific things on the grounds as well. And despite all of that, affection starts to develop to, for, towards her target. And that's the thing you shouldn't do. Uh, it's written and directed by talented filmmaker Lorkin. He worked himself up through the ranks uh, doing bit parts in movies. He was an assistant director. He was a writer. Um, he's got a co-credit on, among other things, Kirk Wong's Wild Lifeline Express. As well as on Jackie Chan's Armor of God. There were like three, four writers on that one. So Lokin was uh, one of them. Uh, he debuted as co-director uh, a year or two after that on the very strange, the strange Bedfellow, which I think is like several stories in one. One involving Eric Tsang giving birth to a monkey. <laughs> I think it's a sci-fi movie, of course, yes. Uh, I think it's a sci-fi movie, but I don't remember still the details about why the hell he gave birth to a monkey, but he did. And uh, <laughs> it was kind of happy. Happy times after that. Happy times. <laughs> Till a good uh, time. Till a good time. Uh, uh, also directed the sci-fi prison actioner Final Test. Very rare venture for Hong Kong cinema in that genre. Jun uh, Hua plays an android prison warden in that one. Really good movie. I liked it a lot. Uh, first half a little bit shaky comedy-wise, but uh, then they go for it. So Final Test is uh, good fun. Uh, and it's really a sparse output um, in terms of uh, Lokin's directing. Uh, but he often did interesting genre blends and mashups. Uh, not just regular triad or regular horror or regular sci-fi templates. Uh, but Fatal Love seems like the straightest out of the bunch that I've watched. Uh, so... Um, uh, but that's not a bad thing. Uh, he's not an active filmmaker anymore, with his last credit being in 2003. Uh, so, let's get into it. Quick view of Fatal Love, first off, my friend. It's definitely a movie that I have problems with in certain areas. It's, uh, it's a serviceable thriller. You know, it's pretty good, but 
It definitely. It's pretty good. I like it. It's most beat. It's, it's, it's high. It's okay. They did their best. <laughs> they did their best, and that's all that matters. No, it, it, it definitely has issues, but uh, overall, I don't know. It, it, like I said, serviceable. It's it's uh, well, it's we'll, watchable. We'll... We'll get to the issues. I like it actually a bit more than you, uh, maybe a lot more than you. Uh, it gives like the cheapo cinema of its kind, mostly present in Hong Kong uh, at the time, an upswing because it uh, has sound visual style, sound being good visual style, that is, uh, extreme sexual violence, which is surprising, and, and fair tension. I mean, this is a straight thriller. Aside from essentially one comedy sequence, this is a very straight thriller. And it when it opens you know I've known I've seen my share of Hong Kong movies they might open really hardcore and then cut to the Wong Jing stuff you know but mm-hmm. uh, you know, we get the, you know the opening with the like the blurry vision opening and the amplified breathing you know, she's rolled into an emergency room and uh, we, we we don't know what's going on with Alan Chan's character obviously something bad has happened and uh, and, and Which, it seems that, I have that. to say that the the CPR being performed on her stop it <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, you know, when I got my license, uh, I don't know. They, they didn't teach us the, you know, smack her on the chest routine. That was not uh, part of the, the the curriculum. Is, is this your main issues, medical issues? <laughs> this is it. This is it. That's it right there. It's like, fuck this movie. <laughs> five minutes is enough. and I'm, I'm done. That's not even five minutes. like 30 seconds. So it's just like, <laughs> fuck this. It's like two paragraphs of notes. Like, I find this. Nothing <laughs> Look, actually. let me tell you, all right? You know, you're not going to resuscitate anybody's heart by just smacking them on the chest like that, all right? You know, press compression, uh, chest compressions for an adult should be, you know, so many inches. And if it's a child, you know, it's going to be about a half inch. And, you know, you should do 100 processions per minute. And <laughs> I, I thought you made a red marker on the, where the heart is and stabbed a needle into someone. Yes. Isn't yes, that's no. what you do? Yeah, yeah of okay. course. You're so well educated, Josh, but uh, don't, don't forget that movies are fun, man. <laughs> This is not a documentary, dude. It would have been bad if he, like, starts sucking on her toe or something. Like, that is not actually the correct way to do it, Mr. Filmmaker. Like, I, I, I get it. But, you know, he, at least he was near where he's supposed to be. <laughs> I don't know. Her heart stopped, doctor. Like, uh, check her eyes. It's a funny moment, okay. you know. Uh, but uh, as bad as that apparently is, it's uh, clearly not a shot in a... Room category three movie. This is actually a fairly well made movie. Actually, mm-hmm. it's a it's attempts to be a moody, steamy thriller, as we see because we get a lot of flashes of you know essentially her life or uh, last part of her life if she is indeed dying, flashing before her because we see like oh there's boobs, there's blood. So, oh, uh. um, Michael's sucking on some titties. Yes, <laughs> this is a, this is gonna be kick ass now. It's gonna be a great movie. <laughs> Uh, but I like that uh, flash. Actually, actually, they get to like, whoa, this, whoa, can this Hong Kong movie do this for real? Right on, let's uh, let's go. Then it set up a kick-ass aura, and we we get. I mean, if you were training to be a police officer, I'm sure you'd have a problem with the police training sequence as well, Joshua. But uh, <laughs> like, uh, like this girl wouldn't well, be like uh, in the top ranks, and I, I suppose she's not because she gets kicked out. But 
not due to her being now that I'm thinking of it she was actually uh, uh, set up uh, so some random girl that we never meet in the movie actually placed some like jewelry in her locker and they found that like, like you stole <laughs> yes you stole some jewelry you're out of here we do get a setup of her like being able you know because we get her play, training judo and what have you and I mean she can take care of herself factor it's kind of there she's just not a gorgeous casting for the sake of it I mean uh, Ellen Chan needs to carry this movie and I think she does fairly well so um, what, what do you think of that I mean do you think she uh, merges with the movie fairly well or is this just a pretty face that uh, does no good for the movie Ellen Chan yeah I think yeah I think she's really good in the movie I think uh, I think she is a very pretty face, but at the same time, I think it, it, for the dramatic stuff, she actually does a really good job. Yeah, and the, the movie, as I said, um, only dips into comedy when we get her uh, training sequence, like the two uh, one fat and one thin guy that trains her to pick locks and what have you. Um, but Boy, that but dude's it's... face is long, isn't it? Yeah, the, the skinny <laughs> dude. My God. He, he even played like uh, a meth head in One Night in Mong Kok, but they're oh, the D movie, so I mean, he looks the part in that one, definitely. So. <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, a face that turns up every now and again. So that, that that's your only like, like, slight comedy sequence, and the movie is straight after that. So if you are worried that this movie is going to be five minutes seriousness and then Mong Jin goofiness, no worry. It's uh, <laughs> it uh, it goes for pitch black, uh, pitch black, you know. Um. How can you um, accept the fact that Michael Wong is dubbed Joshua? Can you? Can you get over the fact? Or do you, like I do, fantasize in your head or hear in your head Michael's voice instead? I try, but, you know, I don't know know if I can hear it over the tears, you know? (laughs) Just the constant crying throughout the movie. I mean, he's uh, he's so soft. The thing is... We, we we talked about his voice especially I mean let's just like r- talk about it in detail for a little bit it's a very he's very soft spoken Michael right. and he has a it's a slightly high pitched so it's not like I'm Michael Wong hello <laughs> you no. know I'm, no. I'm Michael Wong hi um, <laughs> I'll, I'll be your psycho <laughs> <laughs> I'll be your psycho <laughs> I'm, I am Michael Wong and be psycho this evening I, lo- I, I love his I'd I love, love his to be able stuff. to do a good impression of Michael yeah I just uh, can't. It's, it's you, a voice that's hard to duplicate. It is hard to duplicate, but I, but I do love his uh, soft-spoken voice, and it's not that Michael is a turd or anything. He knows stuff outside of movies, even if you don't like him as an actor. You know, he mm-hmm. he, he uh, runs or supports or formed a helicopter flying academy uh, for you. So, I mean, he does know how to fly a helicopter. He plays the saxophone, so uh, and he probably has done an album or two. So, I mean, he's um, he's a model. I think yes, yes, yes. So it's not like he's uh, just waiting for people to put him in movies desperately or anything. Yeah. Uh, but he's still working. He's uh, still working, and still no one really likes him besides us. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, even Mike's chi- Mike's Chinese dubber throws in some English at points, which is so wrong. That <laughs> that doesn't work. Like, like trying to tease us. No, don't, don't approximate you. the master like that. <laughs> Don't you dare tease the audience, you son of a bitch. So, um, you know, if you're going to go full, then go full and not um, mix it up like that. So, right. uh, And uh, obviously the dubber is way better than the dubber in There's a Secret in My Soup. Uh, so um, it's it's serviceable. And for me, since I like the movie, it uh, certainly doesn't uh, detract or anything. But uh, I, I still fantasized about, how would Michael say that? <laughs> mm. and, then I, and then I laid down. 
Yes. I mean, would the movie be, you know, better with Michael's voice? And the oh, answer is oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything would. Anything would. And, and they did sing sound movies at this time anyway. It was not like Hong Kong started doing it in 97 and onwards. Uh, occasionally they did in 93 and even in the 80s every now and again. But that was rarer. Very much rarer. Uh, so, uh, talking about Ellen Chan's character, you know, the, the question you ask yourself here is this... Um, a good undercover cop is she good has she got good determination or is she reckless and and that is like this is a downward spiral of a movie so you can kind of you know that answer right away but she's not a dummy or anything it's just like this goes wrong half at half point we know it's gone horribly wrong and that's that's my problems with the movie kind of lay in the way that it um, handles the undercover side of things. Like, okay. I don't think that it's emphasized enough whether or not she's lost control of herself or whether she, you know, she's just basically forgot that she's undercover. You know, I, I, I feel like the movie could have done more to bring the police elements into it and kind of make... Hmm. Yeah, I, I can actually agree on that. I mean, it's uh, when I look back at it now, I mean, it is very Fred Bear. I mean, it is there, the theme, but uh, you, you're right. It seems like she has forgotten about it. I think I saw that as um, Ivy, she's, you know, it's going to come back later and she's been on top of her game uh, the whole time, you know. So, so I kind of gave the movie the benefit of the doubt, but you're right. It is still a valid uh, criticism. Uh, yeah, like we, we get you know, the fact that she's trying to find, like, certain pieces of evidence in the home and stuff like that, where she goes to, you know, eventually at one point go to live with Michael Wong, yeah. you know, but we don't we don't get those sequences with her dealing, like, you know, I wrote in one of my notes that this is the Cat 3 Donnie Brasco, but, you know, the thing about Donnie wow. Brasco is... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to compare it to Donnie Brasco. We but, just did. Uh, well, yeah, you know, that was more of me being humorous. But, okay. you know, the thing about Donnie Brasco and the reason it's a successful... Wow. Uh, <laughs> aside oh, from a category-free version of Donnie Brasco. <laughs> With a chick. Ellen Chan's got a great ass. <laughs> <laughs> podcast over that's it you know all i need to do is listen to hollywood babylon and then i catch up on a lot of ralph garman type voices you know he does al pacino very well that's all. Ooh, yes ah. oh yes. <laughs> but, uh... first first you get the money <laughs> oh my god but anyway the thing about tony frosco is there are those sequences throughout where you'd see, like, Johnny Depp's character going back and forth with the police, you know, where, you know, he's like, you know, well, have we got enough, you know, information or whatever, and, like, mm. there's that whole sequence where he does the forget about it thing, where he's talking to, uh, you know, his guys down in Florida and whatever, you know, but there lots, there's a lot of police stuff in it, the procedural type of things, where in this, there's about, you know, you see Ellen Chan trying to achieve a goal, and that is, you know, to find a camera within the home that would prove that Michael Wong is a murderer. Yeah. But that's about it as far as the police stuff, because we only get her actually making, like, one phone call to headquarters in the mm-hmm. movie. You know, the rest of it all is just her 
going home, you know, her and Michael are having an argument. There's a lot of uh, relationship stuff mm. that develops, and it's like you don't really get even get inside of her head. Like, does she think that Michael's innocent? You know, because she starts seeing stuff starts happening where it starts becoming more and more obvious that Michael Wong is this uh, sociopath. But, you know, you don't get to see her, like, dilemma inside of her mind or anything like that. And you kind of, I get kind of lost in the characters. I'm like, what is going on in her head? Why is she doing this now? You know, this, that sort of thing, you know. Mm. Not trying to be picky like I am with No, 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 that's fine. I mean, the other thing was fucking picky. This isn't. (laughs) (laughs) But that was, that was. Well, I think. Yeah, but yeah, this you, is... you 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 gotta get the Simpsons like movie nerd uh, voice down. Wished uh, no. <laughs> you <laughs> ever. Wow. Now you you're very right. I mean, uh, even though I like the movie a whole lot, it's uh, it, it does lack some string to tie a few things together. Um, I, I still think Lokin gets me uh, because uh, their initial scenes together, Michael Wong and Ellen Chance, are really uh, they're kind of uh, ni- nice going. The actors have good chemistry. The characters are engaging in this very quick romance filled with a lot of sexual tension. You know, they they have sweaty workouts together, and uh, both are good runners. So I mean, they they gotta right. uh, they gotta kind of top uh, top each other there. You know, I can run better than you. You can I can run better than you, and. Uh, uh, but you're right, he does freak her out at points, you know, that clearly, sh- and especially at, after the point where, I mean, th- this is a mid-movie thing, so I don't care if we spoil this, he has actually filmed her trying to break into his uh, safe where he keeps his guns. Right. Uh, because he has uh, he has licensed guns. He's part of the gun club. Uh, so by the halfway point, you, we know she's kind of fucked. Yeah. Uh, so 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 at, at that point he keeps playing with her and that I enjoyed I suppose I just by, by that point I did forget a lot about the, like the cop cop uh, storyline string if you will uh, because I enjoyed the way this movie pushes and uh, mm-hmm. I, uh, I I'm surprised as in as in this movie is so intact because <laughs> at points this goes for a lot of violent. Yeah. Uh, dips, you know, and uh, case in point, like when she's sneaking around in the house, you know, trying to find evidence, she hears uh, some some people having sex, you know, because not only Michael lives at the house, uh, like his uh, associates and uh, live right. at the house, and at that house at night, there's decadence and perversions galore and darkness, <laughs> and uh, you kind of okay, the, this couple apparently likes this this BDSM kind of stuff, you know, putting out cigarettes on her nipples. She likes cutting, taking a box cutter and cutting up his back, you know, fine. I mean, his, his butt cheek. His, his butt cheek, uh, well, <laughs> even more horrible. Uh, but then, you know, it takes that turn. Where like, ooh, ooh, because he punches her to the face. And then she's out of it. Uh, not Ellen mm-hmm. Chan, but the woman uh, that she's watching, watching. And essentially she gets raped uh, right there and there. Right. And, you know, these dips into this darkness uh, on an individual basis what did you think of those how Lokin handled uh, them oh man I mean that sort of stuff's just brutal you know it is brutal especially like the you know violence in the film uh, that one murder scene you know the one I'm talking about 
That's yeah, it. it's the second time she kind of walks in or has a glimpse of uh, what's going on here behind closed doors. And again, it starts like, well, she's tied or chained to um, to this um, chain to something anyway, uh, a wall. But uh, you can see through it and what have you. And uh, okay, the, that's you know it's consensual possibly. And then it goes overboard really quickly because uh, he puts uh, broken glass into a piece of cloth. Uh, mm-hmm. puts that into the poor woman's mouth, tapes her mouth, and then proceeds to not punch her mouth, but by that point, he takes a broken bottle and stabs her about 30 times. Yes. And th- that's what I mean by this being so intact. I am so surprised that this wasn't wasn't shortened to five stabs by the censors, right. because this is a right-on bloodbath. Yeah. I mean, literally bloodbath. <laughs> it's just, it's everywhere. You'd think Billy Tag showed up to direct this scene, you know? Because <laughs> it's all lit in red and what have you, and it's the most brutal stuff you can think of. And, uh, and uh, you know, the mildest stuff that happened to her was having, like, the broken uh, shards of glass in her mouth. But uh, mm-hmm. even that, obviously, at one point, she's gotten a punch to, her, to the face and her mouth all uh, uh, busted open, if you will. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, th- this is uh, gasp-inducing stuff, you know, so... Uh, right. Uh, my main criticism of the movie is actually Michael. Uh, I, li- I like Michael. He's, he's good he's at <laughs> that, but if we're being totally serious, I don't buy his psycho acting a lot. Michael, it's a slightly younger Michael, maybe a slightly older Michael would have had mm-hmm. better skills at this, but his uh, psycho acting con- uh, is wide eyed, open eyed psycho acting, where it looks like he's essentially about to cry. Almost like, ah! you know. You- uh, it's not very scary to be honest I I enjoy seeing Michael take on such a role but uh, if I'm going to be really fair he, he isn't very scary <sighs> or what do you think Joshua? You, you, you know what I'm talking about right where he, right, he, right. he, he widens Especially... his eyes uh, a lot to yeah. signal that now the psycho is out, you know. He goes, yeah, he, he definitely goes big time over the top, especially towards the finale. But, um, yeah, I'm of either way. You know, I can kind of see him, you know, having the appearance of a, a genuine psychopath in the movie. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, especially if you're hearing Michael's voice inside of your head, it would probably be much more difficult to really accept him. Like uh, with Nightfall or whatever, which I think I've mentioned on the show, I've definitely talked to you about it, where mm. Michael does all that yelling and whatnot. It, it's it's a bizarre thing to hear. Yeah. hear Michael Wong, you know, screaming and acting crazy. Yeah, I would love to see it in that to see if I if it plays better with me. But here it wasn't uh, as intimidating as when he's uh, acting normal, but we know that he knows. You right. know what I mean? Then it's a little bit more scary the way he uh, is the puppet master of all this. I think he's so. really good, especially during the first half of the movie, though. Yes. Like the, the charisma that he has with uh, Ellen and everything like that, I think it's really good. I, I do, too. I mean, yeah, I, I've never... All I've the always... date stuff and everything like that. So, you know, it's 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 cute, but it's humorous. I, you know, I like all that. Yeah, Loki and as directed romance before he did a movie called In the Lap of God with uh, Roy Chung, uh, set in Thailand, I believe. A very light and uh, fun action movie. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about a rape scene. That's not funny or anything, but uh, <laughs> um, uh, Michael Wong rapes the actress uh, Nam Yam uh, in this movie, or what is it, Nam Yam or Nam Yan? Let's just be Nam Yan with an N. 
uh, we, who play who, her name H O T, and she no plays fan. her credited role is um, raped drug mole, uncredited. <laughs> raped drug mole, and that's what she is. You know, she was yeah. in Le- she was in Led again of a erotic movie star playing the friend, mm-hmm. uh, the insanely hot friend, uh, yeah. and she she got a minor role here and gets to be the recipient of Michael uh, having first stabbed her kind of. Uh, uh, boss, I suppose, or boyfriend, and then uh, while he's at it, Michael is uh, is all worked up now. You know, it literally looks like he's he's crying almost, like, <laughs> and then he rapes her, uh, goes to uh, goes to town on her. Um, there's a there's a the reason I want to talk about this sequence just briefly is that there's a very unsubtle cutaway during this scene. As Michael, you know, presumably penetrating her, we get a shot of a uh, uh, the car being gassed up at another part in the scene, and you see obviously the the nozzle or what have you go into the tank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you know. was. Uh... So here we go. Like it's like mad stylist stuff here. Yes, <laughs> really, it really is. Like, what mm, what's that supposed Michael, to mean? Yes. <laughs> Uh, but 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 the stuff he does though is kind of brutal. I mean, I, I'm not uh, that that gets to me though. Like that is brutal. At one point, you know, um, he uh, I won't spoil it too much, but he uh, sets fire to a particular yes. person and the kind of to- uh, place with her again. Uh, it p- puts a bag over uh, a female's head yeah. and uh, kind of threatens to hit her all the time. You know, and uh, she hears it and then she obviously uh, braces herself, but he doesn't hit her. Uh, that stuff is is uh, that gets to me. That that, that works well. Yeah. I, I really I, I have more notes, but I'll 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 end it with this. We get a late Ellen Chan sex scene, which I think is good because we know we don't know if she is an actress, and I certainly didn't remember or knew if she did nudity or not. It turns out she does, <laughs> but we don't get it until the last uh, very hot uh, hot scene with her and Michael. Yeah. Um, so it's worth waiting for actually, uh, and uh, it's good s- sometimes that they don't like cheapen up certain actresses. Like uh, make make the audiences wait. You know yeah. she's willing to do it, but why not build it up instead? Right. Uh, which I respect uh, as well. So uh, uh, so it's a rare case of Hong Kong erotica and Hong Kong thriller that I think is uh, made in a pretty solid way and a pretty pitch black way, which is I suppose the biggest impression this movie makes on me. That right? it's so pitch black, uh, everything goes to hell. Let's just say that, and, uh, and they, obviously we get an indication of that in the first scene that Ellen Chan, uh, it's gone way wrong for Ellen Chan. But how wrong, and uh, how it, uh, what actually happened? Boy, oh boy, big time wrong. <laughs> pretty brutal stuff that she's involved in. You know, she's a very game uh, to uh, um, go go certain lengths here, not just nudity lengths, but uh, kind of to be to be abused. Uh, mm-hmm. On screen, fictionally and all. Yeah. Uh, so my final question: Do you think Capcom endorsed this movie? <laughs> if they didn't, man, they sure should have. Like <laughs> they they got plenty of free promotion out of it. Is it Street Fighter Two that they play the play most yes. of the time? Well, yeah. actually, you know, it's funny because like, um, yeah, in the arcades, like there's two different arcade sequences where they're playing Street Fighter Two. And then there's one where Michael's at home playing, uh, I believe it's Street Fighter 1 on the it home It looked console. different, yeah, yeah. Like he had an NES at his home instead. Yeah, it, it uh, God, what did that first one? There's only like one or two consoles that uh, Street Fighter 1 came out on. I forget mm-hmm. what it was, but I believe uh, 
that's what he's playing. Because which... NES didn't get Street Fighter 2, or did they, as a matter of fact, only a very bland version? Yeah, no, well, they got, the NES got, like, Street Fighter 2010, but that wasn't actually, that was just, like, a, a rip-off. That wasn't actually... Yeah, or, no, was, and that was uh, platforming as well. Yeah. Uh, they, they, uh, I say rip-off, but, like, um, basically just, like, uh, a release using the name, like... I think they used Ken's name or something like that, or yeah, 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 as the main character, and like it's this thing in the future. It's like it's a platformer, yeah. Um, so so there you go. Um, because they they they, they got uh, some uh, views, some views of uh, Street Fighter Two is definitely in there. So I mean, it's free, it's free uh, endorsement, I suppose, free commercial. I believe that uh, it's it not like Michael rapes anyone on the arcade cabinet you know <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say I believe that it was like the Turbo Graphic uh, Turbo Graphic 16 or something like that that it came right, out right, on right. which was like an expensive ass console showing mm-hmm. off once again how rich Michael's character is indeed yeah. Looks so pussy as that uh, uh, console though, because the uh, I mean it, it, the games were good for it I know that but like it came on small 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 thin cards yeah and not like uh, cartridges for men. Yeah, <laughs> like the Atari Lynx was kind of like that too. I think yeah. it was really thin. It's like you're sticking your fucking credit card into a, into the console, <laughs> like it was that thin. Uh, but the Turbo Graphics uh, 16 thing, there, it was uh, it was a regarded thing. I know that a regarded console. So right. So that's the end of my notes, Joshua. Do you have any other notes from Fake the Love? Uh, you know, I don't want to just you know, beat a dead horse or anything like that and just keep talking about the uh, the things about the movie that I didn't like, but, you know, I don't know, there comes a point in the movie where, like, there's this whole creepy-ass sequence where, like, Michael basically busts Ellen's character, like, and shows up where, she, you know, Ellen Jan's, like, having, like, this meeting with her mother, you yes. know, like, this, like, played shopping by, day. Um, played by Maria Cordero, the wonderful singer, uh, yeah, she sung the Tiger on Beat theme, so she she has a voice like you read about some. Oh yeah, and uh, there's that whole sequence. It's like kind of it would be very creepy for just about anybody, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, but she doesn't, you know. I mean, she treats it at first. She's like, I'm mad at you, Michael Wong, for you know showing up at my house and busting me, you know, basically. But like. She doesn't look at it like, oh, this guy's a potential murderer, and I'm a police officer, and, you know, they've made me, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's not treated like that. You know, at this point in the movie, it's like, everybody's probably forgot about the whole cop thing, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, wait, I haven't forgot. I'm still like, <laughs> why is this being treated? Why are we treating this like just a regular old relationship or something? You know, this dude's a possible murderer. Now how creepy is it that he knows, you know, your mother and stuff like that? That should be... I would be worried. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, 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 I can't argue against that. I mean, overall, I've said that uh, I very much agree with you, even though mm. I, um, I think the movie is, um, is, uh, is still good for me. I mean, I, right. I, I'm that kind of forgiving viewer, I suppose. Uh, but uh, right. you're, I, I, you, you're absolutely 100% right. That there is, a, may, maybe that was the intent to like make her sink into this undercover yeah. thing that she does forget about it almost altogether but that it wasn't uh, conveyed as uh, in that harrowing way that it probably maybe should have yeah you know what i mean uh, because it's uh, more like just a matter of fact more like a shrug of the shoulder like huh, 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 huh. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, so, so you're, you're very right. It's a good, it's a good note, my friend. Um, anything else? Um, there's a Bart Simpson clock in the movie that reminded me of the Garfield film and the IFD films. Yeah, I know. That's about <laughs> it, did, it. It did, it did for me as well. Like, why wasn't that a Garfield <laughs> toy? You know. <laughs> But Michael Wong, are you so like fancy that you need a Bart Simpson clock? Yeah, no, a Garfield that was also the funny thing about it. Like he's like the super rich dude and everything, and he's got like a Bart Simpson clock in his house. And I found the idea pretty funny. It's not like this isn't an antique by 1993 that's worth a lot of money. I mean, it's mid Simpsons, you know, craze and what have you. So. He's a he's a man child, is what it is, because mm-hmm. you know he's playing video games all the time. He's got the Bart Simpson clock and things like that, and. You know, yeah, also yeah, likes yeah. to rape women. Yeah, force feeds, uh, force feeds uh, sleeping pills to like, <laughs> women. Yeah, and two bottles yeah. of whiskey, like a man child. You know. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just torture and violence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all righty, um, but not a bad watch to have in imprinted on your memory, right? As such, because uh, it's always a me- it, it, it is important, I think, for and the m- ending, my-, my God, the yeah. ending so brutal. It is very brutal. I, I've uh, I, I've talked about it, but not specifically, and I won't uh, in in the review. So, um, uh, but it is very brutal. And matter of fact, and uh, why I think Ellen Chan is very game in this movie. You know, it's not something. Um, it, it's faked, obviously, this movie, but uh, it's pretty hands-on to the way they uh, convey a lot of this stuff. Uh, okay, as for availability, there are a couple of fatal... Oh, oh by the way, my, my point before was that I think it's important to give certain Michael Wong movies uh, its voice. and to Because I kind of think that he's, uh, he's disrespected a bit too much. There's always likes and dislikes, love and hate out there on the internet. I'm fine with that, but I think sometimes the actual qualities are not uh, noticed uh, as much, forgotten about, not talked about like they should be talked about uh, because as a matter of fact there are a lot of good Michael Wong movies in there not just be- uh, and he's the reason for uh, a fairly large amount of them being good Mad right. Style is this one uh, even uh, outside of Category 3 there's uh, The Case of the Cold Fish I love uh, where he willingly like sends up his SDU image he's in Beast Cops and I think he's very good in Beast Cops obviously oh. no obviously no Anthony Wong but he's very good in Beast Cops I think absolutely and uh, I think he's got charisma and I think he's got presence and confidence on screen as well and uh, seems like a good guy and I'm not saying that to be funny I've seen interviews and he seemed like he's very humble and uh, and knows his stuff too you know movies is not his main thing um uh, that the Youth Corps, Youth uh, Academy, Helicopter Academy thing, that there are movies on YouTube about that, uh, clips on YouTube and documentaries. Uh, that's uh, like uh, something he uh, has a passion for, you know. Yeah. And so, when, uh, when we get him on the show, you know, we'll be able to talk to him about it. I wouldn't be opposed to that, you know. <laughs> you're, you're, you're in a safe environment, Michael. No one's going to make fun of you here. <laughs> no, we love you. Um, fanboyism like for two hours like so why are you so awesome <laughs> are you shirtless right now <laughs> click, <laughs> click oh well that was my wrong hair I have a girlfriend I swear man <laughs> but I'd leave her for you that was a good Michael Wong impersonation actually without you attempting it like I have a girlfriend <laughs> uh, even though you were playing yourself 
but uh, okay, as for availability, there are a couple of Fatal Loves out there, uh, including a Leslie Cheung movie from the late 80s, not category free. But this particular one from 1993 was on DVD and VCD from Universe, but is now out of print. Uh, so same recommendation as for Mad Stylist. If you find it, uh, go for it. Uh, used copies and what have you. Torrents, worst case scenario. Um, Universe DVD was one of their Laserdisc ports, essentially, as it's from a clear-looking letterbox to cinema print. Uh, which is good for viewing, absolutely. It was not a disgrace to the DVD format or anything. And uh, good subtitles in the frame, clear, and uh, all of that. So next time, shameless exploitation time with Godfrey Ho. Yeah. Yeah. And we're back into war crime territory. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, we did Men Behind the Sun last episode. Uh, we respected it and gave it its due and did a lot of history and what have you. It uh, deserved it. Uh, the unrelated sequels, two of them, are seemingly exploitation cash ins on Men Behind the Sun and war crime. And such shameless nature to exploitation gotta be examined. Uh, so next time is Men Behind the Sun 2, Laboratory of the Devil, and part 3 called Narrow Escape. And reportedly by Godfrey Ho, and I don't, uh, they weren't IFD movies, so he just slapped his name on them. They were done uh, outside of um, IFD. He'd left IFD by that point, so Godfrey Ho time on This Week in Sleeves next time. Well, you know, we got him on. <laughs> All right. We got him in there. Ooh, ah. Godfrey Ooh. Ho. Godfrey Ho. <laughs> He's got a nose <laughs> I just know that. <laughs> uh, there we go. Maybe Al Pacino will be ex- exchanged <laughs> for Sean Connery. <laughs> I can't, you can't leave me behind, Ken. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> Always. I'll fuck you in your ass if you leave me behind. <laughs> Sean, you can be, you can be here too. You can be here too. Thank you. you. Can stay. Thank you very much. <laughs> I saw like this quote from Sean the other day that he said at one point in his life that it was a very like um, profound quote about love, mm-hmm. which just made me think, wait a minute, <laughs> and that holds every girl, every woman needs a good slap. How does that work together with uh, what was uh, his quote this time was that love is not an easy ride, but it's a ride worth taking. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, good, good, Sean. But that bit about slapping women, what's that about? <laughs> no. What are you fucking car? Say whatever I like. <laughs> As a, who knows what he meant for real you know? sometimes you gotta slap a hoe you know according to Sean Connery yes. it, so be careful Joshua how you present oh. yourself here yes, it's sorry. a quote yes. uh, but anyway and the ours is an imitation for funny purposes quotable quote unquote funny purposes uh, but uh, that's that uh, this has been anyway this week in Lisa on the podcast on fire network uh, podcast on fire dot com visit check out the bonus episodes and other shows email anka cast anka yes <laughs> hashtag anka yes 14 hashtag that shit <laughs> let's get it trending trending on twitter y'all hashtag hashtag that shit that's supposed to be the hashtag yes wait what <laughs> I'm gonna write it literally hashtag hashtag if it that gets us shit it doesn't matter oh I, I'm totally on board for it we can have like a half an hour lead up to this week in sleeves where we talk Paul Anka <laughs> like, like this is pleasant. Let's yeah. talk some fucking. Wait, what? <laughs> like, where's that come? Uh, so, uh, podcast on fire at googlemail.com is your destination for some female, uh, some female feedback. <laughs> yeah, we should, we should get some female <laughs> feedback, but uh, not uh, gonna happen. 
but uh, it's email feedback in this case from dudes and facebook.com forward slash POF network like our page uh, discuss with us on the Facebook group type in podcast on fire network in the Facebook search bar twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire for the tweets my writing so good reviews.com my video reviewing sleazykvideo.com my tweets at twitter.com forward slash so good reviews I was literally kind of out of breath right there so it's like my tweets <laughs> Like, like, like Josh, like start my heart, like do it properly. <laughs> Hold on, let me smack it. Let me slap <clears throat> you on the chest. <laughs> Just smack yourself on the chest, canvas. This is how it works. Yes. Yes. I got an F, but I know how this shit works. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm back. iTunes. This weekend's list is on iTunes. Please leave a star rating or a written comment, and or a written comment. We would very much appreciate that and stream us on stitcher for your iphone ipad android and do it online as well shelf life clothing buy some t-shirts there should be some michael wong t-shirts if the world is aligned correctly so at some point there should be a michael wong t-shirt at shelflifeclothing.com and your plugs uh, good 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 sir good man plug away raidcelluloid.net and the trashy trio at uh, trashy trio.lipson.com and just google the trashy trio we'll pop up it's Good. us and like uh, an insanely um, insane amount of, inappro- of inappropriate rape jokes <laughs> absolutely that's us so TTT you know that's uh, that's the place for rape, jo- rape jokes galore but, but they if, do if discuss you... but they do discuss films as well occasionally but mostly <laughs> it's just rape jokes like almost like knock knock jokes you know knock knock <laughs> who's there rape <laughs> you said rape again. <laughs> That's us. You're oddly, you're oddly amused by it. Yeah, you know, I listen to your show. Like this is, uh, it, uh, it gets to you every time. Uh, and, uh, and, mo- and mostly spearheaded by a girl, nonetheless. Right. Yeah. Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like this. Uh, this is all just dudes being inappropriate. Like uh, the leader of the pack. It's a woman. <laughs> The leader in terms of inappropriateness. Yes, and and uh, and uh, I love Wendy Ford. Like, yeah, she's amazing. All righty, uh, check that out. There, we are signing off, and let's stop the Michael Wong talking of fucking. Okay. Not the Michael Wong fucking. Oh, you could argue we've done some pl- plenty, plenty for Michael Wong fucking here, but. Uh, uh, but uh, that's where it is. We, we're proud of it, and uh, I think uh, I think he deserves it. <laughs> he just deserves some action, goddammit. He needs some love, you know. Yes. So, uh, uh, so that was all good. So, so he's probably got a great ass. <laughs> 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 so, signing off on that. Thank you very much. I've been Sleazy Kane. With me was the great Lord Joshua Regal. Bye.